Thinking aloud. Conversations on the leading edge of knowledge and discovery with psychologist Jeffrey Mishlove. Hello and welcome. I'm Jeffrey Mishlove. Today, we're going to be having a conversation on ESP and synchronicity, and I'm going to be helped by myself. Of course, he's referring to me. I'm still myself. I'm a different person, but I'm still the same person. That's the paradox that this style of conversing enables. And I have to say, I'm very fond of it. I don't know if I'll ever return to doing monologues without two of me. It does seem that the interview format and the monologue format get combined when I'm able to converse with myself in this way. And I know sometimes I address myself as if I'm a separate person, but <laughs> the point of today's conversation on ESP and synchronicity is that the whole idea of separation is something of an illusion. We all go through life with this instinctive separation that we can divide the universe in two, that which is outside of me and that which is inside of me. And the fundamental insight that I'm talking about here is that this distinction, which is extraordinarily useful in getting by from day to day, is nevertheless something of an illusion. When Carl Jung came up with his theory of synchronicity in the early 1950s, he attributed the inspiration, at least one of the inspirations for this seminal work, one of the key concepts ever developed in the 20th century, he credited the inspiration to his reading of J.B. Rhine's studies on extrasensory perception. Ryan first published in the 1930s, and uh, Jung was undoubtedly aware of the developments in parapsychology going on for decades before he came to consider synchronicity as a possible way of looking at uh, extrasensory perception. He even wrote to J.B. Rhine and thanked Rhine for his contribution to the idea of synchronicity. For his part, however, Rhine was less than enamored with the idea of an a-causal principle, a connecting principle, I believe Jung referred to it, in science. Rhine was not wedded to materialism. He was perfectly willing to and perhaps leaning toward an idealistic model of reality, one which put the soul, the spirit, consciousness essentially as fundamental, not dead matter. Nevertheless, he was still pretty much wedded to the idea of causality and the idea of an a-causal connecting principle that, that somehow synchronicity in an a-causal manner could account for extrasensory perception just rubbed him the wrong way. He was not willing to accept it. On the other hand, there were 
some obvious problems with the concept of extrasensory perception that Rhine had promoted so much so that the, the words ESP are household words. Everybody seems to know what ESP stands for. Uh, extrasensory perception, unless you're in the financial world <laughs> where I, I met one corporate president who told me, no, it's EPS, earnings per share. <laughs> Uh, but other than that confusion, extrasensory perception is, is well known and it's uh, often talked about. Nevertheless, the extrasensory perception model assumes a channel of information transfer, a sender of that information, and a receiver of that information. And, and the problem has been from the very beginning, I mean, we've been researching extrasensory perception since the mid-19th century in a scientific way and even uh, earlier in ways that have been more along the lines of case studies, I, I think would be fair to say. But the problem is we've never been able to identify a channel of information. It's not electromagnetic, we're pretty sure of, of that. There's no other information channel that we know of that carries the signal. And often ESP experiments are carried out in shielded rooms and, uh, or where electromagnetic signals can't enter. So it would have to be some other kind of a signal that maybe it's fair to say as of yet undetected, but maybe the reason it hasn't been detected after 150 years is because there is no signal. And if there is no signal, we have to begin to ask ourselves what's going on. Not only is there no signal, but we have yet to identify to anybody's satisfaction. Well, let me put it differently. We have yet to identify to the general satisfaction of the community of researchers looking into it that there is any kind of organ of psychic reception, unless you were to say maybe the whole body, the nervous system as a whole somehow. I, you could look at it that way perhaps, but I think, uh, and I like to sometimes think of the human body as a psychic antenna, but I don't think that we have uh, anything equivalent to eyes or ears or a nose or a tongue or uh, skin sensitivity and tactile sensation. None of the normal senses seem to be an appropriate model or even an appropriate metaphor for what's going on when we talk about telepathy, clairvoyance, precognition, retrocognition. These things don't seem to apply. And so when Jung wanted to reach out beyond all of these causal mechanical models to explain psychic functioning, I think he was on the right track. But what does an a-causal connecting principle really imply? A-causal means that you, the individual, can't direct it can't control it. I, I like to think that Jung's synchronicity really suggests that the universe itself, the whole universe is conscious. It's one big mind. And so when things come together in a, in a synchronistic way, it's like uh, if you and I were to 
normally the way our minds work, as well identified by Freud and Jung, is through the process of association. One idea associates with another. And so you get the stream of consciousness, as William James labeled it, and it's a stream of ideas, one after another after another, rising and falling, rising and falling, and sometimes in uh, several streams independently going on in an individual mind, but uh, it's all based on association. And so if the universe works that way, the universal consciousness, the one great mind, and then when events come together in a uniquely meaningful way without any identifiable external cause or even an internal cause, I, I would say, because a Jungian synchronicity is typically not something that one intends to have. Well, the, the metaphor of an a-causal synchronistic connecting principle makes sense. However, Ryan was well aware, and we know this from ESP research, that there is a measure of intention involved in ESP experiments. People intend to do remote viewing when they do remote viewing. And uh, there are instances in which people use various modes that Jung would have identified as synchronistic, such as the I Ching, the tarot cards, the various forms of divination all utilize this principle of synchronicity that at any given moment, the universe itself is trying to express it's itself. And if we can learn to read the tea leaves, so to speak, or the goat entrails, uh, then we know what the universe is trying to tell us. It's not so different from interpreting dreams. So, if there is a measure of intentionality involved, that would imply causation. My intention caused me to perceive information at a distant time or a distant place. That's how normal experiments are done in parapsychology. And since intention is involved, one wonders, how can it be a causal? This is where things get really interesting because let us assume for the moment, as I do, my working hypothesis here is A, that the universe itself is conscious and operates like a big mind using the principle of association, and B, you and I are part and parcel. We are one with the whole universe. We're not really separate. It seems to us as if we're separate because we have a membrane, our skin. We have that which is inside our skin and that which is outside our skin. So the illusion of separation is very, very strong, seductively strong. Nevertheless, we have, like a hologram, we, have, we are part of the whole. If you take a, a hologram and cut it into little pieces, each of the little pieces is a reflection of the entire hologram. But the smaller the pieces are, then the less specific, the less detail the image will have. So you might say that we are like that. We are uh, 
In fact, one might even say, as Michael Talbot has said, as Amit Goswami has said, and Carl Pribram has said, the brain itself, consciousness, operates on holographic principles. And uh, one of those principles being that we partake of the consciousness of the universe. I don't think any single human being could possibly encompass the vastness of the entire universe with billions of galaxies and planets and, and who knows how many trillions of different life forms exist in the universe. And at some level, this great cosmic reservoir of consciousness contains it all. And we have access to it and we can use our intention to some extent, not a hundred percent. I have yet to encounter any magician who is a hundred percent correct. And by magician, I mean real magic here, not ledger domain. In any case, since we partake of the universe, we do have a measure of ability to facilitate synchronicities. Let me give you an example of this from my own life. And I'll tell you in detail, uh, it was laid out in the very first in presence segment. So if you haven't watched the early segments of in presence, I recommend highly you go back to number one and I'm going to link to it in the upper right portion of your screen. If you click there, you'll get to watch the entire thing. I'm not going to repeat in great detail exactly how it happened, but I intended to create a synchronicity. And uh, I'll summarize it by saying this. I was a graduate student in criminology. I wanted out. I was doing uh, field work at San Quentin Prison, doing group therapy with murderers and rapists. And I came to appreciate the value of what we can think of as abnormal psychology, human deviance. However, I wanted to explore the positive forms of human deviance rather than the negative. There was no way to do it. I agonized over that for months and months. You see at Berkeley and at most great universities, it's not too difficult to study psychopathology and crime social dysfunction. But if you want to study creativity, intuition, psychic functioning, and mysticism, well, those subjects are pretty much excluded from most university uh, curricula. And there just wasn't available. And I agonized over how I could make this shift uh, from criminology. I was on the verge of receiving my ba master's degree in criminology, but I didn't want to go further in that field. And the fact that I agonized over it for months is important. It meant I had mental focus. I was going to persist. And uh, the way I often tell people, I tell people this, if you resolve to become the best version of yourself, 
That's what the universe wants. The universe will reach out and help you. That's the lesson I derive from my own life experience. And I hope it applies to everybody else. I can't say for sure, but I, I think it's a good working hypothesis. Of course, one needs to also take into account such factors as reincarnation and karma and the like. But Nevertheless, I do believe the universe wants each and every one of us to become the best version of ourselves. And that's going to be unique and different for each person. And I do think that synchronicities will come together, but you've really got to want it to happen. Although obviously in many cases, synchronicities will occur on their own. But if you want to make a synchronicity happen in my way of thinking, that time I spent three months agonizing over a decision, how, how to move out of criminology and pursue the studies that I really wanted was important. Now, why is agonizing or stressing out important, do I think? Uh, I liken it to the idea of uh, Jacobsonian relaxation. You see, if I want to relax my hand, for example, or any other part of my body, one of the best ways to do it is to tighten, 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 tighten the shoulders, the fist, the arms, tight, 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 just the opposite, and then relax. And you can get into a deeper state of relaxation. And it is that deep relaxation, really, that facilitates psychic functioning and intuition and synchronicities. But to get there, sometimes it's very useful to tighten up, to get tense, to get really focused first. In my case, it took months. But what happened after months of this tightness, one day I knew I just woke up with this sense of certainty beyond all doubt that I was going to have a dream that night that was going to answer my problem. And indeed, a dream did occur. It's all described in the video that I've already posted a link to. And you can link again if you missed it right on the upper right. The point being that that was a synchronistic event. It worked out exactly as I intended. It changed my whole life. Of course, it wasn't just as simple as that. It never is. As I've learned from my friend who I've been interviewing recently, Rolf Sattler, the words are never the thing. Words can make things seem much more simple than they are. And life is actually extraordinarily complex, which is why it, when it comes to politics I, in particular, but many other areas of life, I have a tendency to distrust those who offer simple-minded solutions as attractive as they may be. But what happened was, in this instance, I did have a, a, a dream. I woke up from the dream knowing that this was the dream that would have the answer, but I didn't know what it meant. And I actually instinctively acted out the dream, which if you watch that video, you'll know what I meant. And it changed my life. So the point of this little monologue is that, yes, we have a measure of control over synchronicities through our intention. 
our focused intention, we have a measure, a measure of control over positive synchronicities, over calling upon the universe to help us become the best possible versions of ourselves. And that's where ESP and synchronicity come together. They come together because the principle at play is ultimately universal consciousness at work through the principle of association guided by us because we are participants in universal consciousness and we have a measure of free will, a measure of intention, a measure of purposefulness that we can apply. I know this leaves many questions unanswered, but the question I'd like to leave you with is, how would you like to use this knowledge yourself? What would it mean to you to become the best version of yourself? And if the universe were willing to help you to do that, how would that manifest for you? And of course, I want to thank you for being with me. And strange as it sounds, thank you for being with us.